Hasn't this been good tonight? Amen. What a blessing. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to, uh, want to first of all thank you for having us in and uh, we just appreciate it. You know, um, God always knows what he's doing. Amen. And uh, you know, uh, I know that your pastor had planned for Don Sisk to be here to preach this missions conference, um, but um, <clears throat> of course, Brother Sisk, with his wife's health and all, uh, could not be here, and after your pastor called about 150 different preachers, I finally said, was the one that said yes, um, and uh, kind of at the bottom of the barrel, but anyhow... <laughs> You know what? God has a purpose in it all. Amen? God makes no mistakes, and uh, God has a reason and a purpose uh, for this. And sometimes, we don't know why sometimes right away, but um, we just just hang on and just be patient and just trust the Lord. And we thank the Lord for us coming. I appreciate the, the room that we've had, and uh, I appreciate that when we got into the room, we had a nice gift basket there. A nice fruit basket. It's my favorite kind of fruit basket. It has no fruit. Um, and uh, some snacks and things there. We appreciate that. And uh, we've had a good time. Good meals. Good night. We've, we've eaten with a couple different families. And, and uh, we ate with a family and then Swiss Chalet and then another family and Swiss Chalet. And then uh, maybe Swiss Chalet again before we leave. All right. But uh, listen, you, you just don't know how spoiled you are. You know, I, I lived in Kitchener 15 years. I, you know, I kind of got used to it for a while. But after you leave and then come back, wow, it, I mean, it tastes better than ever before. And uh, we, uh, we've, had a, we've had a great time together. We appreciate uh, what you've done for us and appreciate uh, being with your pastor and family once again. We always have a great time together and I just thank the Lord uh, for that. Um, whoever would have known all of those years ago that uh, that um, little guy running around this church here um, would grow up and be the pastor of this church. Just amazing. Amen. Amazing what God does. And uh, every time you see your pastor, if you've been here for very long, you know God does miracles. Amen. And uh, that's, uh, that's just fantastic. Just great. And we praise the Lord for that. The music has just been phenomenal. I'm telling you, just phenomenal. My heart is full tonight. I mean, we could just read a few verses and go home and we'd been blessed. And uh, plus we have pizza somewhere, right? Amen. And double blessing, right? But the music has been just all day, has just been tremendous. And I want to say I appreciate the work. I know the hours and the time and the work it, it, you have to put in to have something like this. And uh, so I want to say I appreciate it. Um, Brother Paul already, already mentioned the people working the sound in different places all around. I just appreciate that. I know that it's a sacrifice to God. It's a gift back to God. And we were taught, you know, here when we were in Bible college, um, we had it hammered down our throats. Amen. You do your best for God. Amen. Give God your best. And uh, that, is, that is so true. That's what we ought to do. And shame on us if we don't give God our best. 
And uh, we should do that. And I appreciate uh, learning that and that instilled into my heart and in, in my life. Now, I have to say something about the message this morning. I preached this morning, and I know people got a lot out of the message because I've heard of it this afternoon. Some, somebody out in the hallway requested tonight that uh, I sing a song. Uh, last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but I don't know the rest of it, okay? Um, but anyhow, and uh, then uh, through the afternoon, we went to the bakers and being the spiritual giant that Tony Baker is, all he did was talk about taking selfies. You know, he said, I'll never take another selfie again without thinking about that. So I'm glad that you got something out of the message, amen? Um, let me just clarify a couple things before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I just want to clarify some things because there's been some question and uh, um, uh, people have asked us about it. Uh, you know, the Lord, over the last couple of years, the Lord in my life has kind of led us in some twists and turns that I didn't know where it was going to end up and what was going to come out of it and what God exactly was doing. But of course, God knew and uh, we were full time. Um, traveling and church planning. And uh, I thank the Lord for the years that we were in that and how God blessed. We saw uh, churches planted. We saw two churches in the Philippines planted. And uh, we saw a, a church in Arkansas, um, a couple of churches in Ohio, and, uh, uh, and um, trying to think of uh, a couple other places. But we've been able to plant churches. And, and that's what I love. It's really my heartbeat. And, um, but I felt like, I felt like God was moving us in a di different direction a little bit, but I, I just was trying to figure it all out. What God, what are you doing? What, what, uh, what can you show me? And God worked it out. I was actually in the Philippines, um, and I was preaching and my dad was going to come over, but my dad was preaching, had a meeting before he came over. So I went, uh, ahead of him. I, Sharon and I both, uh, went over and uh, we were there for about a week and uh, preaching and, and uh, then, um, then dad showed up and came over and I, I said to my dad, I said, you know, I just been confused about exactly what the Lord wants us to do and, uh, you know, how he's leading and all of that. And my dad said to me, he said, well, my, the message that I preached, the place I preached before I came over was in North Canton, Ohio. And dad had been there for the planting of that church in the early 60s. And he said to me, the pastor had me come in to preach because he wanted to talk to me. And he feels like God is um, leading him into evangelism. And the church, is, um, the church has had kind of a rough go here lately. And uh, they need someone to pastor that church. They've got real good people. And my dad was familiar with the situation. I wasn't. He said, now, the pastor hasn't told anybody, but... Um, He's, he's getting ready to leave and feels like the God's, that God's taken him somewhere else. He said, would you be interested? That church just needs to be revived and, and uh, life back again. And I said, well, I, you know, if the Lord opens the door, sure. And um, I, I came back. When I got back to the U.S., I called him up, went over there and preached. And I sat down and talked with him. And it just seemed like God was opening every door uh, there at Village Baptist Temple in North Canton, Ohio. And uh, it was, I, I just, I'm not going to take the time, but just door after door was opening up. And uh, so I took that church as a restart project at that church. And God has blessed in just incredible ways. 
And uh, I was sharing this afternoon some of the things that God has done. Just amazing what the Lord has done there. We, we went to that church and uh, we, were, we had about 40 or 50 people. At one time that church was running like 400 um, but they had fallen on some difficult situations, kind of back to back, one right after the other. Attendance had really dropped off and, and uh, just needed some spirit revived. And, and we got in there, started working with them folks. And boy, those folks just, they, they were the kind of folks that had a mind to work, you know, and just wanted to see things happen. And God has, God has brought some wonderful things. We've seen people saved. One Sunday in the summertime, we had four people get saved on a Sunday and four baptized on that same Sunday. And uh, it's just been one thing after another how God has blessed. And we, we just, uh, God gave us a place to live, just put everything in motion there. And, and as I was there, I was praying about, well, Lord, now, you know, am I, how long am I going to stay here? How long do you want me to be here? And uh, is this what's happening? Just, um, I don't know, over time, it's felt more and more like God would have us to stay there in that place. And then I, uh, again, was praying about uh, the church there. The church has a real burden. Actually, while I was pastoring there and, and we were getting that church going, I was also helping to start a church in Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, I could give you a long story about how God worked in that. It was just amazing. But uh, Youngstown is about an hour away. We were able to go over there and help that young man get that church planted in Youngstown. And then back and forth, we took groups over there. We knocked on doors. God's done a great thing there. That church is already just, just over... I'm thinking uh, just over a year old, and they've already been able to purchase their own building. And God is blessing there in a special way. And uh, just a great young man that's, that's taken it over and doing a great job for God. So we're able to work in both, but I just felt like God wanted me to stay there. Um, I'm only about uh, where our church is, only about 20 minutes from Maslin Baptist College. And God opened another door there, and it was through a, a, one of the professors, um, could not finish his class. They called me up. They said, would you be interested in coming to teach? And uh, I've always loved that. And uh, I said, sure, I would, I'd be glad to. I came over, and, and uh, now that was last semester. Now I'm teaching some other classes this semester. And so it, it's just amazing what God is doing. But God has opened up the door for us to start through the ministry of our church we call it the Church Planners Clearinghouse. And just to kind of make it simple for you to understand, it's, it's kind of like a mission board, but not really a mission board. It's under the, the authority of our local church. It's called Church Planners Clearinghouse because I, my, my heart is in church planning and I want to keep that, keep that thing going and, and planning churches. So we started this as a ministry of our church and uh, what we do is we help church planners around the world. Uh, you know, I, I know through the years there have been times where um, uh, people from other countries have come here to North America to raise support and, and go back. But I'll tell you, in most situations, it's just better if they stay and get their church planted. And through our church planners clearinghouse, we're raising money to help these young men in their, in their native country, in their place, to get places to meet, to get chairs, to get uh, 
uh, PA systems, pulpits, whatever they need. We want to be able to help out these church plants, maybe even partly with a building. And just to give you a, a quick example, we were over in the Philippines and, and uh, helping a man start a church and he struggled for quite a while. And one of his biggest struggles was getting a secure place to meet every Sunday. It seemed like he'd get a place for a little while and then they would boot him out and he'd move over here and he'd move over there. Well, it's pretty hard to build a church when you're bouncing around like that and never getting, actually for a while, he was meeting under a carport. I mean, just had no place to meet. And so when we were there um, just over a year ago, um, we were there and and uh, he had secured a, a building and uh, was all excited about it and was showing us the building. It was great, a beautiful place. And uh, we were all excited about it. And we walked in there, we're looking around. And as we left, we asked the, the pastor who is responsible for this young man starting the church out of his church. We asked him, uh, uh, what, now what, what does he have? How's he going to have church on Sunday? He said, well, they don't have any chairs. So well, what, what are you going to do? He said, I, I don't know. He's going to do something. <laughs> they didn't have a pulpit. They didn't have chairs. They didn't have some hymn books. They had nothing. But they're going to start church on Sunday there. I said, well, you know, we do have some money. We're going to buy him 50 chairs. And so we got 50 chairs over to him. My dad uh, said, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get him a pulpit. He needs a pulpit at least to put his Bible on. You know, we got a pulpit over there. His first Sunday in that building, we got him 50 chairs and he had 89. On that first Sunday in the building, had, had about 30 people saved. It was just amazing. So that's where they need the help. And that's what we want to do through this ministry of church planning. We're just getting things together, getting things going. I was going to bring some brochures, but I had given, I had given so many away. I'm out of them. So I'm going to try to get some brochures, get them up here just to, so that you can see what we're doing. And we're excited about what God is doing and uh, using us to do. First Corinthians chapter 16. I want to preach this evening. Uh, just a, a simple message, and the title of my message is very simple. This is the title of my message, Giving to Missions. Giving to Missions. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you Lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. I want you to understand tonight the giving to missions is biblical. The Bible teaches us that, that we ought to give to spread the gospel around the world. It is a way for us to help fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, uh, we usually go to the book of Matthew and the book of Mark for the Great Commission, but the Great Commission is also given uh, in the book of Luke, in the book of John, and also in the book of Acts. Jesus gives the Great Commission. And so in order for us to help fulfill the Great Commission, 
It's a biblical thing for us to be giving. And Paul talks about that right here, the collection of the saints to be giving in order to spread the gospel around the world. Uh, We talk about going by faith, stepping out by faith, and that is so true. We need to step out by faith, but there needs to be a, a support behind us, helping us in the job that God has called us to do. We have some biblical examples of this. Turn over with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4 for a second. The book of Philippians chapter 4. And uh, starting at verse number 10, the Apostle Paul once again is talking about this and this uh, uh, giving and giving to missions. Examples are given. Philippians chapter 4 verse number 10. The Bible says, but I rejoiced in the, in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul is talking to this church and he's talking about their care and how they shared with him to go and preach the gospel. Look at verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. He's commending them for their giving. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The example showing us here that when they gave to Paul to help him in his ministry and other places, they received some of the benefit and the reward and the fruit of what he was doing. So whenever we give to support missionaries, whether it be in Indonesia or whether it be in Newfoundland, when when a soul gets saved, we have part of that when we give for them to go. That's a great thing. Look at verse, uh, I think, verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. By the way, your giving ought to be a sacrifice to God. Verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hey, you don't have to worry about the fact that when you give to, for missions and to be sent somewhere else to lead other people to Christ, God is going to supply your need. God is going to take care of you. God is no man's debtor. He's going to take care of it. And so this was an offering that he's talking about. He wasn't talking about the tithe. He was talking about an offering that's over and above the tithe. So giving to missions, it's a biblical thing. I want to look very quickly at four things here tonight. I want to look at the purpose, the the priority, the fact that it is personal and that it is proportionate. 
I want you to notice, first of all, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that there is a purpose in all of this. Look at verse number one again. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now he is writing to the church of Corinth. He is talking about this collection for the saints, this giving. And he said this, the churches of Galatia gave. And he said, you ought to be a part of that. You need to be a part of that. What was it for? Notice it was for the saints. All right. It's giving that other Christians, the poor Christians that were in Jerusalem, it was giving to help them out. Uh, In that day, the church of Jerusalem was a very persecuted church. It started with the Apostle Paul when his name was Saul. And we see at that Jerusalem church that Stephen was taken out and was stoned to death. Well, well, let me tell you, all of those Christians, and there were were thousands of them. There were 3,000 got saved at Pentecost. But they were heavily persecuted there in Jerusalem. And of course... Paul, before he became the apostle Paul, was part of that persecution and he, he thought that he was doing God's will in punishing those Christians and persecuting them. And so they were heavily persecuted. They had property and monies taken away from them and they were poor and they were needy. And so as Paul went around, other churches were taking up money to send to help those people uh, there in Jerusalem. And so this church of, the churches of Galatia also gave. Here's the thing. When we see this, it's something that we ought to be involved in, but it's not just us. It's a lot of others that are involved in this. I mean, in, in, in uh, traveling and church planning and all of that, I had quite a few churches supporting. It wasn't just one church. It was a collection of churches. I remember when I first came to Kitchener and uh, I raised some support to be able to go there and, and uh, take that church over. They, they couldn't pay me full time and so had to raise some support. And I hate to tell missionaries this. i just almost embarrassed to tell it. But I had pastored in Florida for five years. And, and when I got ready to raise support to go to Kitchener, I raised all of my support in two days. Um, one of them was I called the pastors that I knew in Florida and they, I mean, without a, they all took me on for support. And then I, I came up, I came up to Kitchener with half of my support and, uh, I, uh, had, I traveled back down to Ohio for a fellowship meeting. I went to that fellowship meeting and a pastor there that had known me since I was a little boy. He said, well, what are you doing here? And I began to explain to him, he said, what are you involved in? What's going on? And I explained it to him. And he said, well, he said, uh, I, I think you'll get the rest of your support right here today. I was like, wow, sounds good to me. And so he got up in the fellowship meeting and he said, okay, you pastors, I'm going to support him $100 a month. Now, who's going to help me? And boom, 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 I had the rest of my support. Now, I only raised temporary support. Some of it was a year, some of it was two years. It wasn't permanent, just temporary. But uh, I hate to tell missionaries that because it, you know, it kind of discourages them after two or three years, you know what I'm saying? But uh, hey, listen, what was it? It was a network of churches that stood behind me to go to a place that was needy. You see, that's the biblical way of doing it. 
We work together. These missionaries that come in here, uh, yeah, they, they get support from this church. They get money support, prayer support from this church. But it's not just us. It's other churches all around that are helping out of like faith and like belief to do the job around the world. That's what we do. We as a team, we work together as a team to get the job done. So God had a purpose in all of this. I want you to notice secondly here, the priority. The priority of this giving. Look at verse number two. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. I want you to notice, upon the first day of the week. The first day, of course, is Sunday. And no, now notice here, they came together Sunday to, to give up, to give the offering. I, I get a little frustrated people sometimes. I remember Somebody, you know, through the years of pastoring and talking about uh, Sunday and things about Sunday and somebody saying to me, well, you're not supposed to do any work, you know, it's Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is Saturday. Amen? Are you with me? The Sabbath day is Saturday. You know something I say, you're not supposed to work on Sunday. You tell that to a bus worker. Amen? After getting up this morning, going out there on those slippery roads and your bus driver driving too fast and you have to yell at your bus driver and picking up those kids and bringing those kids in here and sitting with them in the, I saw you sitting with the kids in the program and things going on, taking them out, having the junior church and bringing them back home, all the things that are involved in there and you come Sunday night and you're like, whoa, right? You know what Sunday is? Sunday's a work day. It is. It's just like I said, all of this music that was put up here, listen, that, that all takes work to put all that together, put that on. It takes work. It's a work day. And they got together on the first day of the week on Sunday. Sunday, the first day, the priority. What were they, of course, celebrating? Every Sunday we celebrate that we have a risen Savior. Amen? He rose on the first day of the week. And that's why we come to church on Sunday. We call it the Lord's Day. And I like that. That's good. And so they came together on the first day of the week. It had a priority. The Bible calls this the first fruits. Turn with me over to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. Uh, and look at chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10. The Bible calls it the giving of your first fruits. Off the top, it's priority. Proverbs chapter 3 and uh, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You see, the priority here is the first fruits off the top. That's what you give to God. Number one. Don't say, and I've heard it many times, don't say, well, I'll see if after I pay all my bills if I can tithe or not. Eh, you don't get it. You're not getting it. You give God first. Number one, he deserves first place, amen, in everything, even in our finances. Give him first place. I remember a, a man in my church in Kitchener, and uh, he came to our church for quite a while. And uh, he was uh, a little up there in years and he came to me one day and he said, Pastor, he said, um, <clears throat> I've heard about this tithing, talk about tithing. He said, uh, you know, he said, I, I grew up in Holland 
And I went to church there and the churches, I don't know what kind of church he went to, but whatever he said, the church there taught that you just give what you can. And he said, ever since I've come over to Canada, which has been a number of years ago, and he said, uh, I've heard this tithing, tithing, tithing. And he said, I've just never really, just never really thought, ah, should I do this or not? Or, you know, and he said, I've always had a problem with it. Just always had a problem with it. Now, this man was right at the age of retirement. And he said, but pastor, I've heard it so long and so many times. He said, pastor, I just, God spoke to my heart. You know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I said, well, that's good. You ought to. He said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to start that tithing, giving 10% first to the Lord. Right about, that, right about that time, he was retiring from work, and he and his wife had decided that they were going to go back to Holland and to visit some of their family they hadn't seen in a number of years. And so um, he, had, uh, he had put some money away for that, and uh, he had... Right at that, right about the time started the tithing, and they took their trip over to Holland. I, they were gone for a while, I, for uh, a few weeks anyhow. And he came back and he said, Pastor, you'll never believe what, took, what happened. I said, what's that? He said, he said, you know, before I moved to Canada from Holland, he said, I worked for a number of years. And he said, uh, actually, he said, I got married in Holland. One of my children was born in Holland. Then we moved to Canada. My other kids were born here in Canada. But he said, I worked for a number of years in Holland. And he said, from what I understood, that I, I was supposed to get a pension at the time of retirement from Holland. And he said, I've written to them and tried to contact, and I've never heard anything back. And uh, so he said, while I was over there, he said, I decided right to go to the whatever office you'd go to or whatever to find out about that. And he said, I went into the office and he said, I, I set, got up to the desk there, this lady there, and he said, I explained to her my situation. He said, I'd just like to know, I'm, am I supposed to get some kind of pension from Holland? And, and she said, well, let me check, and got all the information from him. And so she went in the back, and she che checked, and uh, waiting, he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. Pretty soon, she came out, and she said, you know, you are right. You are to be receiving pension from the country of, uh, of Holland, and you're going to start receiving that. He was like, whoa, that's nice. You know, even if it's $100, <laughs> you know. And he thought, yeah, you're going to receive this every month. And by the way, it's retroactive. Whoa, I like that word sometimes. It's retro retroactive. And here is a check for $6,000. He came back and he said, Pastor, I started tithing. God paid for our trip and gave me money to spare. He said, I think I'll keep tithing. Amen? I mean, that sounds good. Amen? I don't know. Maybe you'll go home and find a $6,000 check in your mailbox. I don't know. But you know, here's the thing. God deserves first place. Priority. He's first. The first fruits on the first day of the week. Notice, I want you to notice also there that it is personal. Look what he says, upon the first day of the week in verse 2, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Look, at, look what it says there, every one of you. That makes it personal. It's for every member of the church to be involved. Hey, you know, when we come to a mission conference, 
really, it's an opportunity for you to give to something that's going to reach the world and last for an eternity. It's for you to be able to, get in, to become a part of this. It's a privilege to be able to be a part of this. And so we ought to say, yeah, I want to get involved. And you know what? It should be all of us. That's what he says here. Every one of you. You say, preacher, I can't give much. Give what you can. You tithe first and over your tithe, you give that offering to the Lord. And you give it to, to plant churches and to preach the gospel around the world. And listen, you start with something. God will increase that giving when you trust him by faith. God will do great things in your life. Where are you, Tony? Where is Tony? Tony Baker, over here. You, do you mind if I use it? I mean, it fits in so well here, okay? He told us this afternoon, he said, last year I was wondering what to give. What should I give? He said, I was just confused. Lord, what would you have me give? He said, Lord laid it on my heart to give more than I did last year. And I thought, ah, well, okay. You know, okay, I'll do that. He gave more than he did last year. And he just got a raise. Just a nice raise, amen? Hey, listen, God knows what's coming, right? So whenever you see Tony and Lori drive around their BMWs and Porsches and all that, you'll know what to, amen. Hey, you never know what God's going to do, amen. You just trust God by faith and you step out by faith. Hey, listen, if you can fit it in your budget, then it's not faith. It's not faith. Don't sit down and try to figure out your budget. Give what God lays on your heart to give, to be a blessing to those that need it. Haven't we seen some video and pictures and even tonight this video of needy people? All around this world, our heart should break for them. Oh, God, help us. What can I do for them? How can I get involved? What can I do? Here is what you can do. It is a personal thing to give. Put, a, put it aside for this purpose to help others. I want you to notice, lastly, that it is proportionate. It is proportionate. Look with me at verse number two once again. It says here in verse 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. As God hath prospered him. Do you know, folks, there are some that can give more than others. I remember as a little boy getting involved in giving to missions. And I remember just as a little boy taking an offering envelope. Boy, I thought that was great when I got to the age where I could take my own offering envelope and put that quarter in there and put on the envelope that it was 25 cents for missions. Well, let me tell you something. That quarter has multiplied and multiplied. I remember when I got to the place where I had... The Lord laid on my heart to give a whole dollar. I was thinking, a whole dollar, wow, that's a lot of money. You know, as a kid, a lot of money. I'm going to give a whole dollar. And how that has increased through the years. You know, it, it's amazing what God can do when we all of us get involved. It's personal to all of us. Get involved in, in our giving and give as God. Notice the verse says, as God hath prospered. Hey, listen, isn't it God that gives us everything in the first place? Amen. The air to breathe, life in our system, our heart to beat, all of those things. It's God that controls all of that. 
God gives us so much. Why can we not give back something to him? As God hath prospered you, we give according to how God has blessed us. And God has blessed us with more. To whom much is given, much is required. And we give it, we trust God by faith, we give it. Let me give you another example real quick. Uh, another man in, in the church I pastored in Kitchener, real good man. He and his wife, just wonderful people. This man, uh, he came to our church and he was, uh, he was a mechanic. Actually, one of the men in our church, he repaired his car and he invited him to come and he ended up coming. And they became a part of our church. And he had, he had been in churches. He, had, he and his wife both saved and been in churches for a lot of years. But they didn't, they didn't really know and understand about giving to missions and about that promising by faith. And so at our missions conference, God spoke to his heart about giving over and above his tithe and giving to missions. And, and so he got involved in that. And uh, then the next year, the Lord just, he felt like the Lord wanted him to increase. He increased his giving. He said, I'm going I'm to give this to God. And he increased his, his giving and um, he had worked at a place for a guy as a mechanic for a lot of years. I don't know how many years, but a lot of years. He worked for that guy, and, and the guy came to him one day and said to him, you know, he said, uh, I'm, I'm ready to retire and give up, and so I've decided what I'm going to do is just close down the shop, and we're just, we're done. And so here's this guy, he promised to give God by faith, and now he's out of a job. And I remember him coming to church and saying, Pastor, pray, I, I need to have a job. I worked there all these years and now I'm just kind of out. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I said, okay, we'll pray about it. Well, it wasn't very long. He was a good mechanic. It wasn't very long. He got a job at another place. And he came, came to me a couple weeks after working there. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, I don't know if I can keep working there. I said, what's, what's the problem? He said, those guys that own that place and I'm working for them, uh, they want me to lie and to cheat. They want me to tell people that there's things wrong with their cars that's not wrong and to replace extra. And uh, you ever felt like that sometimes? Amen. You know what I mean? And uh, he said, uh, you know, they, they want me to, you know, do, the, do a little this and do a little that. How mechanics do to say something's wrong and get other things. He said, pastor, I, I can't do that. I said, well, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to either. He said, I said, uh, you know, have you talked to them about it? He said, well, he said, yeah, I think I, I'll talk to them. It, well, it wasn't, it was another month or so later. He said, pastor, he said, I, I just won't lie. I'm just not going to do it. He said, pastor, I just had to, uh, they were going to fire me. So I just quit and I'm done. He said, pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just before that, another man in our church that had his own garage had come to me and said, Pastor, he said, I've I'm, I'm been working my own garage and, and uh, doing my own thing, but he said, I want to buy a house, and in order for me to get the mortgage, I, I don't know all that was involved in this, but he had to get a steady income. He had to get a steady job. He went down to Subaru. Subaru hired him. He said, now my, my garage is going to set empty through the week. I'm just going to do some extra repairs on Saturday. I said, well, this other guy, maybe he could use your garage during the week. And he said, yeah, if he wants to, that would be fine. So I went to the other guy and said, hey, you know, this guy, he's, you know, be open. Maybe you could just, he said, yeah, that sounds like they got together. They got it figured out and everything. And so he started on his own. 
And he was worried about advertising and things like that. And what, what is that going to cost me? What should I do? And, but there were so many people that knew him from where he worked before and that he was such an honest man that people started finding out he was repairing cars and they were calling him up. Uh, one right after another, after another. Pretty soon he told me after, I don't know, after a few months, he said, Pastor, I'm so busy, I don't know what to do. I almost have to turn people down. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, I've made more money this year than I've ever had in my life. He said, God is blessing me. His, I could see his tithing had increased and, and then his mission giving increased and, and all of that. And he just kept, he just kept giving to God and, and God just blessed his business beyond. He was able to get his own place, get his own lift and go on from there. Listen, let me tell you something. You won't outgive God. You're just not going to outgive God. God blessed him. You trust God by faith. He stepped out by faith to do what God said to do. You're never going to outgive God. He said there in the end of verse number two that there be no gatherings when I come. In other words, the, the money was put aside to help them out so Paul wouldn't have to reassemble the church when he came there. He just would, could take that and go and put it where it was needed and help out others. You're giving, giving to missions. Listen, it's a personal thing between you and God. Like I said before, it's not something you try to budget up. It's just personal between you and God. What would God have you to give this year to help win people to Christ around this world? Sometimes you might be burdened about a specific ministry. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe you're just burdened about giving. Do what God says. Be obedient. You're never going to beat being obedient to God and doing what it says. It's by faith you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to give. Hey, if it's $5 a week, think of that, $260 a year. If it's $20 a week, that's $1,040 a year. If it's $100 a week, that's $5,200 a year. Giving to missions. But I'm saying get involved somehow. God has blessed you. Are you going to be a blessing to others? Maybe tonight God is speaking to someone about giving themselves. Maybe God's speaking to you tonight, not just giving your money, but giving yourself. Surrendering yourself to the Lord for whatever he wants for you to do. Maybe God is speaking to you about that tonight. Maybe God wants you involved in the ministry. I pray tonight that you would come forward and surrender your life and say, God, here I am. I'm willing to go. I know most of the time when we talk about that, we think about the young people. Well, they have their lives ahead of them. But let me tell you something. I've seen people surrender to the Lord, middle age and older people to go out and, and help, help others in their ministry and be involved in their ministry. I remember a, a retired couple at one time. They came and surrendered alive. After they were retired, they were able to go to El Paso, Texas and get involved in a ministry of printing and distributing Bibles down into Mexico. And they, they just, they had already had their retirement. They went down there and they lived, by the way, beautiful sunny place, nice and warm, right? And they went down there and they lived and they helped 
uh, the rest of their lives producing Bibles uh, for, for, uh, for Mexico and seeing them put in churches in Mexico and souls being saved. Hey, listen, God can call anybody. There's something that you can do. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you'd say tonight, that's me. I need to go. I need to listen to God. I need to go. Let's stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed in prayer. Everyone standing with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe God is speaking to your heart about that area of giving. Either giving monetarily, giving financially, or maybe giving your life. Listen, if God's speaking to your heart, say yes to God. You hear me tonight? Say yes to God. You'll never regret when you say yes to Him. Maybe God is speaking to your heart tonight and maybe you need to come with heads bowed and eyes closed as the music begins to play. If God is speaking to your heart, would you come tonight? Would you come? Maybe that that gift of giving is laid upon your heart and you need to pray about it. You're just not sure what God would have you to give this coming year. Come to this altar, kneel down and say, Lord, what do you want me to give? What, what's the amount? What's Clear my mind to this. Maybe God is saying to you, I want, to, I want you to give your life. And listen, you need to come to this altar, kneel down and say, Lord, here I am. I give you it all. All, take it all. That's what God wants. Would you come? Would you come? God is speaking to your heart. I'm going to ask Tony to start to sing through a couple verses of this song. If God's speaking to your heart, would you come?